Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast. My name's Annette. Normally I'm behind the production table, but I thought I'd pop on this week and introduce our guest to you and also just to say thanks. Thanks for listening. If you're a first-time listener or if you're one of our dedicated regular listeners, thank you. The podcast has been a passion project for us here at Awards Australia. We started it during COVID and we're just really proud of it. We're proud of the fact that we can bring you the great news stories from our award recipients from some of the 14 award programs that we run around Australia every year. So if you like the podcast and you haven't rated or reviewed it, we would really, really love for you to do that. It helps our podcast be seen more easily for other people, uh, and that can only be a good thing. We all love a good news story. Now, if you don't know how to rate or review a podcast, pop onto the website, awardsaustralia.com forward slash podcast, and click into this episode, which is Tom Wellsby, and I'll put in some instructions there on how to rate and review. Looking forward to hearing to reading your rating and review. Awards Australia is family owned and we're not government funded. We're, uh, we uh, thank our corporate partners for uh, being involved and helping us bring the program throughout Australia. So if you know anyone, any company that might be interested in, in joining with us, uh, let me know. Details are in the show notes. All right, so let's get on with introducing Tom. Tom Wellsby strives to build communities. He founded ResView, as a means to promote and build communities within residential sites and apartment buildings around Australia. Through capital raised from SA companies and individuals, the app provides multiple products. Tom was a finalist in the Urban Developer Awards and ResVu won the Australian E-Challenge 2017 and the State Award in that same year. Tom recently won the 2020 First National Real Estate Innovation Award as part of the Seven News Young Achiever Awards for South Australia, which Awards Australia proudly own. All right, let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Hi, my name's Tom Wellsby. I'm really excited to be talking with Josh today from Inspirational Australians Podcasts. Um, I'm here to talk about my company, ResView, and our journey over the last three, four years and and where we are now and what we've, what we've had to go through to get there. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Josh. Thanks, mate. Perfect. Cool. I've been calling it ResView all this time. ResView. 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 Yeah. Maybe just, it might be because I went to Victoria University and it's VU. That's, that's ingrained <laughs> in my head. So it's uh, at the start when we when we named the business, I thought you know, ResView. There was technically VUE wasn't available, and I just remember thinking I was like, you know what, five letters, easy to grab, kind of gets people thinking. So um, I remember doing a. Was at a seminar once, and um, there was a lawyer, an IP lawyer, talking at the time, and and they were saying, talking about people naming their businesses, and they said, "Look, whatever you do, make sure that you you make up a name that's spelled correctly." And I sort of put my hand up and I said, "Oh, mate, we've <laughs> we, we've deliberately not spelled ours correctly, and it's ended up working really well for us." So just FYI for everyone else, you can do it. Especially in SaaS type business, you know, there's a lot of businesses that are in very uh, 
very strangely titled. I mean, not many even have .com or .com.au at the end of them anymore. It's .io or mm, um, .tv or .biz or whatever, you know. So um, I think we're entitled now to... Yeah. Yeah, well, the good names were taken from 2000 to 2010, I think. So, Well, I think you're right because links don't even, you know, it's not that often that you're going directly to a link anymore. You're mm. searching, you're through social yeah. media, you come across it another way usually. Correct. So, no, totally correct. Yeah. But um, that's so interesting and it's so funny. It's true what you say about the experts who say, oh, you know, you should, whatever you do, don't do this. But then there's <laughs> so many examples of when the opposite of that is bit worked out so well. Uh, we've got some big customers now and we're, we're looking overseas come, you know, I mean, supposed to be this year, later this year, but no chance. Um, and everyone that we, we speak to really loves the name. It's it's weird, it's quirky, and uh, but it still makes sense. So, Well, the first thing I thought I thought of that popped into my head when you said Res View, because I was like, mm. well, actually a lot makes a lot of sense because you're talking about apartments often, you know. Yeah, you have a view. <laughs> so you know that's what. Yeah, I yeah. Think. you've got you've got a view over your yeah you've got a view over your life over the ecosystem that you live within. Yeah, yeah. So seeing as we're chatting, we'll just you know I'm going to ask you the question straight off the bat. Yeah, right. One thing I've learned through the Young Achiever Awards and, and working with entrepreneurs is that usually they're driven by something. Um, it could be something from their childhood or just an idea that popped into their head, and all of a sudden they thought, "This is I've got to you know follow this up." Was there something like that for you? Just that that one thing, mate. I thought it was, I thought it was something different when I first started. I um, the first company that I formally owned and ran, and you know turned over more than a hundred grand was um, a strata management business. So my my passion that lay that laid within that was um, to run my own first business, you know, it was to use my accounting degree that I had. It was to to do something that involved where I was the decision maker and to see what type of, um, you know, power could come out of that in terms of, uh, you know, the growth of the business and whatever. And I must admit I learned out of that that business gives you flexibility and you don't really hear that a lot from people but, now I sit down the road six, seven years on from when I first started that company. Um, I exited that company in 2019, um, you know, made made a bit of money and paid off some debts and all those sort of things, which was great, you know. But um, that business led me to 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 Resview. You know, I, Resview is a um, customer service and communication platform um, that uh, provides those needs to the Strata industry, right? So... I was, you know, for two or three years before I finished that, um, uh, before I sold out of that company, I uh, had already started Resview. And I learnt at that point in time that what I enjoyed most about the the entrepreneurial um, adventure was the risk element. Um, There's no doubt about it. The risk element was good fun. You have to be calculated. There's no doubt, but not every decision is going to bury your business, right? So being able to have control over those decisions that have been made is key. But I've got to be honest, I think the biggest win out of it all is being able to genuinely affect and support and and grow the people around you. there's something about the leadership element of, of entrepreneurship that I found to be to be really enjoyable, um, and I think that's 
a direct correlation of the support that I've been given by staff and other networks as well. Um, I've just found that it's given me a better way. Uh, let's just keep, I feel I feel more wholesome out of out of the journey. You know, um, you really do feel like you can support people and and they support you. You know. Um, that's not a control thing. That's not a, um, egotistical thing. It's just, it's really nice having good close relationships that you support, they support you. And guess what? You grow a business together and, and everyone succeeds out of it too. So, um, that's, I must admit, that's where I've landed with the greatest thing about all this is it's, um, I do think about it regularly about what more we could do with this or what more we could do with that. But, Success to me is more about being able to um, a feel better for myself, but also provide for the people around me and, um, and have a better life that way. So, um, you know, I'm not someone that wants to run ten different startups at once. Um, and uh, but you know, the the passion and the eagerness and the big weeks and the time spent is definitely there with with what Resview is. So that's where I've landed. I think out of all that, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I think that might be something that sets you apart a little bit because, you know, one thing you do hear from entrepreneurs is it can be a lonely journey at times. Mm. And I think what you're saying is that you've brought other people in and made it more of a, a team journey rather than an individual journey. It shouldn't It shouldn't be lonely in the respect of, of what you're trying to achieve. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always said, you know, the, the greatest thing about building a product is your customer feedback, right? So even if you're the sole operator, you still have a network of customers that can be your friends, you know. So it shouldn't be lonely. You shouldn't be grinding yourself um, because you're missing opportunities. And um, I have had that conversation with a few people prior. And don't get me wrong, I didn't realise this stuff in the first couple of years of starting a business and, you know, under my third or, or fourth business now is what Resview is. But, you know, the first two were pre-revenue ideas that I played around with in, you know, 18, 19, 20 years of age. So whereas, look, the big key learning there is that it's, it's not actually lonely. It's only lonely if you want it to be. There's a lot of people that actually really enjoy listening to you, that enjoy being part of something that's totally different to what they've done before. Um, as I said, customers are the first part there or potential customers are the first part there. Um even if it's just designing an MVP, you still need to go talk to potential customers to find out what more you need to do. So there's always people around. And uh, you mentioned there, you know, Resview is third, fourth business kind of thing. So what's it like starting a business at young age? You know, at 19, most people are preoccupied with going out clubbing or, or doing yeah, something yeah. And, uh, and here you are starting businesses. I'll just reiterate it. Um, Especially looking at my holiday mode, I'm not 19 at the moment, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time through, and I think it might just be the personality, you know, I've never dug deep enough into knowing exactly why my brain's wired that way. But, you know, if I wanted to sound like a job interview, it's, I just seem to be one of those solutions-driven um, people that you sort of look at something oh, that can be done a bit better or or um, there surely has to be a better way. or um, So that's just how my brain seemed to be geared early on in the piece, even at school. You know, I was never uh, the most connected student in the class, that's for sure. 
um, in particular uh, throughout the early years of high school. But, you know, I did flick a bit of a switch in year 12 and ended up getting some great results. And then I sort of just started to learn that, hey, you know what, I think I could really start to apply some of this stuff to to what I want to enjoy. I landed in, as I said, the strata industry at that time that I didn't expect. But prior to that, you know, I had ideas that were centred around, you know, we won the Australian E-Challenge at one point, Um regarding a phone case that assisted in uh, minimising the effect of cyber criminals. You know, so it just seems to be what whatever I found myself in a position of, I was trying to find a solution for it. But the best thing about that was, and there'll be a lot of people that probably listening to this podcast that will say the same, just be smart in the type of decisions you make because you don't want to jump down the road of, of, of everything and anything. And uh, I felt like I did that quite a bit at the start, particularly when I was that really young, you know, the 17, 18, 19, 20. Um, everything seemed like a good idea. And, yeah, at the uh, time. <laughs> yeah. And I think you need to go through a couple of those failures. My favourite comment of all time, and it should be everyone's, is uh, fail fast. Um, Eric Reese uh, comment out of uh, out of his book, The Lean Startup, and uh, I hadn't even read it by then, but I just remember thinking, oh, cool, all right, bad idea, Tom, move on, whatever. And uh, if you've got that mentality, you won't get glued to every type of idea you come up with. Or if you've got a product, you won't get glued to every single type of idea you have to improve your product. Yeah. You know, so they can be granular or big ideas. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Going back to your comment about high school and how there was a bit of a switch that flicked in year 12, mm. you know, was that because you got to had more ownership of picking your subjects and, you know, was that, is that something, you know, talking about your solution driven, is mm. it, do you get a bit obsessed with, not in a bad way, but, you know, in a good way, obsessed with something, but it has to really pique your interest? Yeah, correct. Yeah, it has to be my interest. That's that's one thing that I've learned. Um, and I, that's not a uh you know challenge against uh what someone else might be trying to provide me god i spend my days learning from other people there's no doubt about it but you know i knew that i was interested in accounting and economics right um i knew i didn't want to be an accountant um but i was always interested in accounting economics or and and law so i i got to pick those and guess what you know i i enjoyed them you know it's the same thing when, when i studied them at school whereas you know I hated English. I was never, ever good at English. I just hated it. I found it boring. I didn't do it in year 12, you know. So um, those sort of things I think may make a big difference in how you want to apply yourself because if it's your decision, then, yeah, sure, you do own it a little bit more and it does make a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, that runs with a, a good mate of mine. He always knew he wanted to be a chef. Yeah. But, uh, he had in his mind, no, I'm, you know, I could finish early and go start my TAFE degree. Um, but he's like, oh, I want to finish year 12. But one thing he knew for certain, he was not doing maths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. he's, and everyone tried to talk him out of it. Like, oh, you should just do, you know, some maths. He's like, no, nah, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be a chef. Yeah. I just want to finish my year 12 when I'm not doing maths. But I think that that's the great thing about when you get a bit older in school, you can choose and you have that. It's more lifelike then. I yeah, think. the independence. Yeah, absolutely. The independence is a great part of it. Um, yeah, God. I had my 10-year anniversary last year, so that was a bit scary. But, uh, yeah, that was one of the big elements, and I know that's still the case now. I think there's a few, a bit of a different structure, I know, around year 11, 12, but still, yeah, definitely made a big part of it. Yeah, well, a good point about you saying you know, your 10-year anniversary. We, don't, we dove right into the questions, but going back to, um, to who you are, Tom, so 
know, for the listeners out there, you're in Adelaide. Yep. And uh, born in and bred in Adelaide there in South Australia. Correct, mate. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, been here my whole life, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what what's your family like? Have they been, you know, around and supporting you in Resview or have you been kind of a lone wolf out there by yourself? <laughs> no, family is uh, awesome. I think everyone will say that uh, about their own. You know, it's not a case of going to them for help every five seconds. It's just a case of knowing that whatever decision I was going to make, um, you know, they were going to back me in. So, to be honest, in those earlier years, I wish they'd probably told me not to make some of those decisions, but that's hey, just, uh, I seem to be one of the people that has to learn from something opposed to listening. So my mother's been a midwife of, God, 30 plus years. You know, she's uh, runs the student program there at the uh, Women's and Children's now. And, and but whereas my old man is more, certainly always more centered around business. So he ran and had a number of his own businesses in definitely different fields, but uh we got very similar personalities in the respect of sort of just going and getting something if you've got an idea or or uh, at least learning about it and making the decision as to whether it's a good idea. So, um, yeah, super supportive. A lot of my friends were quite um, innovative as well. Uh, one of my other close mates is um, doing really well in in uh, in business over in over in Victoria now. He shifted there, so he's always been a good good part of the network there. And uh, yeah, so I think. I don't know. I don't think anyone would have stopped any of those decisions being made. You know, that's a key thing. If you anyone tries to get you down or even inadvertently um, you feel like someone's getting you down without them even trying to, don't let that stuff get in the way. You know, you chase what you're thinking. Yeah, for sure. You know, speaking of uh, of that journey and getting things started and people supporting you, have you had any other challenges you've had to overcome, you know, maybe specifically with ResView? I try not to think back on this stuff sometimes. Although it's very, it's very humbling to uh, to really think about what we've had to come through. You know, the, the biggest challenge that I had in my first, let's just call it twenty sixteen into twenty seventeen, early twenty seventeen. That was really where we started to actually start to build Resview and and um, what it was. And I obviously I was running what was quite a large um, portfolio of strata buildings had about 2000 apartments that I looked after around Adelaide. Um, some of those were some of our biggest apartment buildings and very relentless role. That one, you know, hundred plus emails a day, same phone calls really. Um, and uh, a lot of decisions to be made. So even just starting the concept at the time was a, was a big additional challenge. At that point, I also wasn't totally aware. I was always interested in technology and, and had a really good grip on things and, but I tell you what, it wasn't until probably, God, I almost feel like last year that I really started to get a better grip on how to make good decisions in software. So, and I know there's a lot of people out there that have got software ideas and concepts. And the biggest challenge for me was just understanding whether I was making a good decision around, you know, should I be contracting someone to do this? Um, who am I trying to contract to do this? Making sure I assessed potential candidates uh previous work and you know i could make that decision within a matter of minutes now but god you know i went on a big journey trying to do that but i guess i was very lucky as well um in finding who's our currently our cto um josh and whilst he didn't know an awful lot about the frameworks that we wanted to use and um, that even he wanted to use you know, the big element was his attitude and his willingness to learn and, and understand uh, what we wanted to get out of it. And again, you know, he's the CTO now of, of what is the company that's 
you know, grew 230% in the last three months of last year. So, um, you know, we've had, we've had some really big wins and, and he's been a big factor in that. Yeah. The biggest learning curves were around in particular who to pick and how to pick them at that point in time. I still consider a part of it being luck, but I also know that I've got a very good gut instinct on who the right people are and attitude is um, sometimes or a lot of the time better than skill. You can always teach people skill. You can't teach them attitude. And um, that's been a real key part of that. But second to that too, you know, I went through some some pretty significant, um, you know, mental health battles as well. Just trying to achieve, you know, a hundred hour week of work was only to maintain. I couldn't even no. do so, do anything, put some cream on top for the week in terms of a new idea or plan things out at that point in time. So that was a real struggle for me and no doubt the biggest challenge I've ever been through and may always go through. So you always put yourself under pressure and resilience is the biggest element that will shine. And um, But you need to be smart about it too, you know. Um, always make sure you've got your support networks around you. Yeah, that would have been tough. 100 hours in the week, barely enough time to do anything other than maybe get some sleep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, i I, I got to thank my my now fiance, you know, Kylie as well, because she was pivotal through that as well. I was learning a lot. We were only fresh relationship at that point in time too. So um, she was instrumental in helping me out there too. And so was the family and and whatnot. But, hey, at the end of the day, it was a challenge that had to be done. Like there was no escaping it. Well, yeah. I guess you could have if you wanted to, but I knew I wasn't that type of person. So it's just a case of persevering, planning, being organised and, and hitting it on the head and not letting it get you down. So Sounds like a beautiful little love story there as well. Let's <laughs> see, you could say that. <laughs> well, uh, it must have been a good connection if you're sticking with you and uh, no dates in the early relationship. That's it. That's it. Uh, congratulations, uh on the uh, engagement that's excellent news thanks mate yeah it was uh we couldn't believe it we finally saw a family for the first time over the christmas break when we we're up in queensland as i said and um i mean it happened back in may but god just because of the world and the way that it is you know we probably would have got married within 12 months but there's no way that's happening <laughs> so <laughs> yeah all bizarre. might be a uh, long-term engagement knowing what the world's doing at the moment now, for the listeners out there who are thinking, all right, we've talked about ResView a lot, but, you know, sometimes the little elevator pitch is handy so people can wrap their heads around what you do. I'm yeah. going to give you mine, my understanding, sure. Sure. and then you can give the real one. Great. So my understanding of it is it's a, an app that helps uh, renters to really link in with the tenants or the real estate so that there's a good connection there and also to engage them in their local community where they're living. Where they yeah. rent, they might be new to an area, um, and they might not know that area very well. Is that about right? Yeah, you're not far off. In particular, well, that's that was certainly what the product and the the near pitch was back in probably 2017. Um, our big focus at that point in time. I'll give you mine in a second, but just to highlight to people that are listening, um, when the product first started, our target market was an apartment building. Right, so yeah. we would walk into the apartment building and go, "Hey, you need our products." Um, all your residents can have an app. They stay connected with each other. They can book facilities. They can talk amongst one another. They can access local business deals. Um, they can access their own documents. You know, it really was their ecosystem for that for that building. It's a very big industry, the apartment building industry or the strata industry in Australia. There's 2.2 million apartments here in Australia and um, about 1.8 million of those are professionally managed. So like I said earlier, I, I was one of those. 
um, professional managers and obviously, you know, your Victoria and your, and uh, New South Wales have got far more than what we do here in SA, but we knew that that was the market that we needed and we also knew that going to going and knocking on every single apartment building's doors uh, was not only very resourceful, but it also wouldn't allow us to scale as quickly either. So we made some development last year um, that put us at the forefront of the strata companies. We've now got several companies that manage anywhere over 50,000 apartments. Um, the biggest that we've got is about 100,000 apartments. So they're some of the biggest in Australia. And in some cases, it's actually easier to sell the product to a director of a strata company of 100,000 apartments than it is to sell to a management committee of a building with 50 apartments. That was a big learning curve for us as well, and that's hence why we spent a lot of time developing. So whilst the product was very similar to what what you just spoke about and I just spoke about, um, the current pitch is actually more centred around um, Resview being a customer service platform for strata companies. So our role within a strata company is to improve the internal management efficiencies of a business um, through communication, um, through engagement, and through supporting contractors and um, the external uh, parties that, that perform works for those strata managers. Um, for the resident, we provide a mobile app um, that uh, ecosystem that that each resident can, again, connect with one another, access local businesses. They've got their own community walls, um, their own social clubs. They can access documents regarding their property. Um, We not only connect renters, we connect owners of those properties, real estate agents and other authorised representatives. And ultimately, as uh, what we're doing as a product is developing an entire ecosystem that connects the management of those strata buildings and the residents of those strata buildings. Um, and the better we connect that and the more efficient we perform uh, or the more efficient we allow the managers to perform their duties, um, at the end of the day, we're improving the wellness of the industry through you know, reducing emails uh, and phone calls and the relentlessness that I spoke about earlier of, of where it yeah. really sits. Um, and also improving the lifestyle of the resident through easier communication and um, better connectivity. Yeah, that sounds, as someone who's rented a lot, pre- you know, it sounds like a really good thing. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's putting myself in the shoes of the real estate agents. It's like they must be getting just, you know, the phone calls, like you said, yeah. the relentlessness of that would be incredible for, you know, a leaky tap, that kind of situation that would make sense Correct. to kind of uh, handle that in a more efficient way. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, to give a, a genuine example of, of where our system um, acts now is that, again, you know, two, three years ago, a resident could report a maintenance issue on the app. Um, it would end up in the hands of the real estate agent or the strata manager, depending on um, where it needed to go. And, you know, they would copy and paste and get the information and they put it into an email or put it into their own work order system. And then, you know, that was quite a fragmented workflow. So again, as we caught on to what we what these companies really needed in terms of efficiencies, uh, we built out our own work order platform now. Um, so if a resident requests something via the app, it's a complete automated workflow between that request through to the work order, through to the contractor. The contractor has their own platform through our systems as well that allows them to digitally log into the system, add photos, add comments. The resident is always updated about the status. The manager is always updated about the status. Um, And the end result of that is less phone calls, less emails, but better customer service. Yeah, it sounds great. I think what 
something one thing that uh you know we're used to now with information at our fingertips is just wanting to know that mm. our request has been received and it's being actioned. Yeah, you don't totally. need up to the minute updates, but mm. that's the only problem with leaving a voice message or sending an email. Is you're like, well, are they actually looking at that? But I guess that's why um, so many of these th- things that you're talking about just seem to me like, wow, that's make a lot of sense. People put their mind at ease. Yeah, correct. And you just think about that. As I said, I managed 2,000 apartments, right? Now, if Josh has the app on his phone, and you're able to go in there and you'll be able to see, oh, cool. So the maintenance request that I sent three days ago, oh, that's in the hands of the contractor and he's attending site on the 17th. But you don't need to do anything more. You're happy. You've got your answer. Traditionally, and this isn't just the case for the strata industry, this is the case for lots of different industries. Um, If you want to know what's going on, like you're going to pick the phone up or you're going to send the email and that on the other side of the fence with 2,000 apartments and 2,000 potential Joshes every single day, um, in fact, it's probably double that as on average 2.5 people. So in every apartment, so it's technically, you know, four and a half thousand people. Um, that a lot of Joshes out there, there. There's a lot of Joshes. So, um, you know, if you can mitigate that that initial email, initial phone call, Josh is happier and the manager's got less work to do because the system's automated it. So that's, that's where we sit now. And I think um, it was a really good decision on our behalf to go down that enterprise level roads. Um, the one decision that we did make, though, was to not um, implement any trust accounting functionality. Um, there's already software in the industry that does that. And this is probably more of an entrepreneurial advice to the people listening is find your niche. Don't try to do everything. If there's already key players in that industry, have a really good think about how you can partner with them. So we've spent a lot of time building a system that no one else does. That's allowed us to become really good friends with the trust accounting platforms, there's four of them here in Australia that provide services to that 1.8 million professionally managed you know, apartments around Australia. So now our big strategy for 2021 through our partnerships with them is to integrate further and, and, and be part of their networks. I stem back to that part where our target market was each apartment building. Well, now it's a case of it's the strata company and it's the, it's the trust accounting systems. And that's for us definitely the most scalable way. I think that's great advice to people to uh, yeah, to partner up with others and you can work together towards yeah. something rather than try and, you know, compete when realistically you probably won't win because they're the expert in that area. So we we had two competitors in the space. If we continued to sell directly to the apartment building, then we had another two competitors. It actually made it quite difficult for us to sell. As soon as we kept that base product and added those layers on top around customer service and those workflows, we're well and truly above the services that those competitors can offer and now the companies that we're working with are going yeah we need you across all of our sites and a lot of our competitors were on those sites but you know we had the ability to go through the top um and uh, and, and work on it that way so oh, that's awesome mm. that's great so you, you're talking about things are evolving and now correct me if i'm wrong you initially kind of pitched this with at an e-challenge Many yep. years ago through University of Adelaide, is that right? Correct, yes. And uh, how close to what you do now was, uh, you know, was, is it something completely different? Is it not even the same pitch anymore or uh, what, what's kind of grown since then? It's funny actually, mate. Like our initial pitch, which was similar to what we spoke about before, was we're building an ecosystem that enhances lifestyle and convenience within apartment buildings, right? And it was... You could connect with one another, connect with your local businesses, have access to your, your building's documents and, and stay connected. Um, 
that honestly hasn't changed. Like that element still sits within it. The only thing that's changed, well, the two things that have changed is we've actually built the software since then. Um, Not just an idea anymore. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, we're continuously building the, the software. And second to that is we've got that new layer that I spoke about where it's the workflow styled enterprise yeah. level access. Now, I'd never spoken about that. That was really a 2020 innovation that sort of came as the light bulb moment as a way of how do we better secure this industry as fast as possible? And that's where that came from. Yeah, you've always never, ever, ever think that your initial concept is going to be the same moving forward. We've we've kept big elements of it, there's no doubt, but, you know, a pitch is always pretty broad as well. So um, I think if I combine, if I compared actual feature in, you know, in-depth feature analysis back then to what it is now, I'd be totally wrong, but the actual pitch itself was, yeah, it was very similar. And uh, what was that like to win, to win the e-challenge? Because that was, uh, what year was that in? That was going back? 2017 that was, yeah. So... 2017 was the year that we had our first lot of investors come on board as well. So um, two companies here in, in SA, uh, one being a large strata management business and another one being a large hardware and supply business. Um, we have digital notice boards as well that go up within sites and sort of screens that people can interact with. So the hardware and supply business was obviously a key part there. Yeah, I think about a month later we did the uh, we went through the, the motions on the uh, on the e-challenge and... Uh, yeah, ended up winning it. And I think the best part about that was the recognition for at the time, the two software developers that that uh, you know, were part of the team. Yeah. Um, Josh, again, is our CTO at the moment. And and the other guy, he doesn't doesn't work with us anymore. But it was a big win for them. Um, sure. They put in so much effort. If anything, I sort of walked out there really happy that they could be recognised as well. You know, of course, I was happy. But, you know, I think just... Gave them really good recognition. And again, back to my earlier point, you know, this is a big team scenario and you don't want it to be lonely. You want people to be recognized and happy. So, yeah. And how cool that Josh was there at that, yeah. that time and he's still, you know, the CTO today. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we laugh quite regularly, actually. Um, you know, we go out for beers and catch up. And he, uh, I remember he did this mock up. Um, it was his first real trial of using, we use Angular as our front end. And, at the time, it was like Angular 1 or Angular 2. I think we're up to like Angular 9 now or something like that. Anyway, Josh's first dashboard that he built for the business and we every now and then I bring it up and we have a bit of a laugh, you know, because his skill level now is just, you know, a thousandfold what it was yeah. back then. So it's always a bit... I mean, that should always be the case. You know, you should always be learning and improving. And again, the attitude's always going to be better than the skill. So he gritted his teeth and learnt it and... Um, yeah, so we do laugh about that because it's a pretty stark difference. <laughs> that's, that's cool to hear. Um, and then, correct me if I'm wrong, you were then involved with Think Lab. Was that yes. following the e-challenge? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're still in the Think Lab, actually. Okay. Yeah. So um, Think Lab's been great. We've had a great time in there. Um, great group of people. Always really, really enjoyed it. Um, we've got, we had two offices in there. Since COVID, we've now only got one just because the team rotates quite regularly. So really just the development team will work in there on um, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. And then you've got myself and uh, Brett, who's our national implementation manager, will generally roll in and out of there. But we find it easier to work from home because we can be as noisy as we want. We can, you know, make as many phone calls as we want, you know, all that type of stuff. 
Um, whereas the dev team prefers to be together so they can collaborate and brainstorm. So it's really worked out quite well there. Yeah, that's great. And so is there much opportunity? Um, you know, I've heard a lot about ThinkLab and we threw the seven years Young Achiever Awards in SA. There's a long list of people who um, have been finalists and, and winners who've been part of ThinkLab or you yeah. know, associated with it. Comes to mind, I believe, Sean Greeley. Was yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean's a great guy. I get along with Sean super well, yeah. And for those who don't know, Sean was actually the Young Achiever of the Year for 2019 for yeah. SA. Do you guys get to collaborate together much and, and you know, do you run into each other and um, is that a bonus or is it more you are in your own little space? No, no, it's a really collaborative area. I mean, yeah, you're regularly going out, having a coffee, catching up with people, talking. There's some, there's some awesome stuff going on in there. So, look, great space. I know at the moment there's quite a few um, desks out in the hot desking area that are available, and that's purely, I think, just due to the break that we've had. Um, I'd urge anyone if they're thinking about it. I know it's not not too expensive. Um even if you wanted to just email me, I could forward you on tom at resview.com.au um, onto the team there. So super good team. Some really good mentors. I think that's probably the biggest part with the Think Lab. I've got some really good ones. I've even got some really good overseas ones. i got a great guy, Sanjay, out of Singapore at the moment, you know, and uh, Think Lab's um, sponsoring Resview to head over to, the, to Singapore when, you know, the world is okay. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It was, it, was, it was supposed to be May last year that we were supposed yep. to go. So, um, yeah, quite funny how that all works out. Yeah, it's an unreal network. It's there's some great, great, great mentors in there. They've got the entrepreneurs organisation are involved as well. They're the largest entrepreneurial organisation in the world. Um, they've got some amazing people, part of them too. So, yeah, you're not lost. And then you do things like forums every now and then where everyone gets together, whether it's us or whether it's someone who's just an idea and you just talk and you and you help and you go through that sort of stuff. So, yeah, awesome place. Oh, that's great. And uh, I guess I wanted to quickly talk about also the, you know, you won the e-challenge. Another thing you won was the first National Real Estate Innovation Award yes. as part of the Young Achiever Awards. And uh, just wondering if I can get some of your experiences, you know, being involved, I guess, from the nomination through to uh, being announced as a finalist and then, you know, all the way through to the end being selected as the winner in that category. Yeah, it was an awesome experience, I must admit. Um, would have been a bit harder if I uh, didn't have such good input from you, though, mate, So oh, and, the rest you. Of the, and the rest of the team over there. So um, I know that made it a lot easier and uh, we had a huge amount going on with Resview. We're going through another capital raise at the moment. We're going through, um, you know, in, implementing some really big customers and I think having that assistance there made it a bit easier to actually get through. Look, experience was awesome. I thought being able to have a good connection with previous winners was great. Um, look, I saw Sean regularly anyway, but also seeing videos from the others and understanding more about the process from them was brilliant. The first national award was a big one from our end, obviously. not uh, We didn't really fit the mix on many others, and I think uh, having the support there and taking that out was great. I think, uh, yeah, look, thanks again to first national. That was brilliant. There was, was it Ray? Um, yeah, so uh, Ray Ellis is the CEO. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So thanks again to Ray as well. So great experience, great help from the the team, uh, being yourself, Josh, and, and the rest over there. And uh yeah, I thought we, I felt connected quite a bit out of it. You probably didn't feel that connected with me because I knew what was uh, I was putting so much time into everything else on my end, but I really did feel that I knew what was going on and, and what we needed to do. And again, very happy to take it out. So that's brilliant. And uh, you know, 
not wanting to toot our own horn with the awards too much, but thank you for the kind words about the support of the, you know, through the nomination process, mm-hmm. because and that's one thing that we find that we kind of do differently to a lot of awards programs yeah. is uh, we don't just run the awards programs to show something on our website or, um, you know, a lot of places, they just have an awards program just to have one. That's actually yeah. what, what we do. And we, we do it because we believe in sharing stories of, of people who are doing great things. Mm. And so that's actually uh, our team is just so one of the best parts of the job is people like you, Tom, who have a nomination, you like might need a bit of help with it or something. Yeah. And we actually, we're, you know, we're there to help. A lot of people get surprised by that, but um, it's one of the best parts because we're doing it to talk to people and connect. With and yeah, uh, yeah. so that's, that's the best way to do it. So for anyone out there who is thinking of nominating a young person, the Young Achieve Awards are open now for nomination. It's as easy as emailing info at awardsaustralia.com. If you want help with the nomination, if you want to talk to someone real, we'll give you a call um, and, and walk you through the process. It's uh, For us, it's all about ensuring that people are recognised and their stories are kind of shared because uh, there's a lot of negative stuff going on in the world. So we just try and push a bit of positive stuff out there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's actually a really good point to bring up. Yeah, it was a really... Uh big contributor, I think, whether or not we would have, uh, whether or not we won or not um, with the year that everyone had last year. And, geez, might be the same case this year. Um, fingers crossed it's not. It's something that you should do for yourself or for someone else that deserves it because recognition in times like, like we currently have is uh, can go a long way. Yeah, good point, Tom. For anyone out there thinking... Well, you know, I'm like Tom, I'm an entrepreneur, but I wouldn't want to nominate myself. I'd like mm. to challenge that. And there's actually an earlier episode of this podcast with uh, Louisa Panuccio, and she talks about nominating herself because uh, as a woman in STEM, sometimes she had to create her own opportunities. Um, and that's a really good, there's, if yeah. people want to listen to that, they'll, uh, I think, will be inspired and say, oh, well, it's, it's more like actually adding something to my resume. You know what I mean? Take that approach mm. rather than um, kind of, thinking oh, I shouldn't nominate myself. So uh, that was a good point you brought up there, Tom. Uh, and just quickly, you mentioned Port Lincoln. That yeah. was kind of funny, wasn't it? So um, to provide yeah. a bit of context with people, uh, you know, 2020 was the year that events didn't go ahead in a lot of places unless they were online. So, of course, we held our awards presentation online. And uh, I, got, I don't know if it was an email or a message from you, Tom, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be in Port Lincoln and literally <laughs> driving there on the day of yeah. the awards, I think it was. Yeah, correct. And uh, yeah. we're like, oh, hopefully we get there in time. Otherwise, we're trying to somehow get a, a connection to Zoom on, on your phone or whatever it was, but you made it there in time. The connection worked, seemed to work all fine. So I forgot about that. Yeah, well, you're right. I was freaking out because it's an eight-hour drive, if not longer, over there. And I remember, was, I think, awards ceremony started at 7 p.m. We didn't get in until like 20 to 7. We got a boat on the back of the car. We'd unhook that. All this, all this stuff started to go wrong in 20 minutes, and I remember just... Uh, I don't think I had a chance to have a shower. I just put a shirt on. So, <laughs> <laughs> but things things worked out. I got the laptop working and whatnot. So, and the uh, other unlucky part was your award category was the first, first. one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's how unlucky! Like it was, <laughs> you know, if it was last, you would have given yourself an extra hour and a half. Oh, nothing like a bit of craziness. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Well, uh, Tom, I want to say thank you for taking the time to have a chat to share a bit about your journey and about Resview. Um, and uh, some of the insights as well about the entrepreneur's journey. I think a lot of people will will get something from that. Awesome. Yeah, Do you, uh, would you so. have any uh, any last little message you'd like to share, whether it's you know to, to fellow entrepreneurs or um, just in general? 
Um, no, look, first of all, thanks very much to yourself, Josh, not only for today, but also for your help throughout the, the awards process. That was fantastic. Um, again, to Rails there at First National was a, was a good win for us. And again, mainly about the recognition um, of the team. But, you know, if I was to have some parting uh, comments, it would be that irrespective of what anyone is doing, always try to find the reason as to why you're doing something. Don't let it be money. Let it be something to do with with supporting yourself, supporting friends, supporting your team. Um, there's a lot of a lot more success comes out of those wins than it does out of out of a financial element. And um, financial element will always come with that. You know, be be proud of whatever you're doing, whatever you're focusing on. Give it the best crack possible, but be smart in when you think you need to leave. Um, or be smart when you think you need to make the big decisions too. Uh, and um, that can be hard when, when you're young. Um, you know, you almost need that experience. You know, experience is expensive unless you, uh, unless you use it. It's one of my dad's favourite comments. So um, good luck to anyone out there with, with all their ideas and uh, that may be listening. And um, feel free to reach out to me too if you've got anything that you want to ask. Perfect. Uh, we'll put your show, put those comments in the show notes about um, your contact details, how people yep. can get in touch with you. And uh, great advice and a brilliant quote from Mr. Wellsby. We'll, That's it. We'll just say <laughs> to finish off with. He'll be pumped that I've uh, finally uh, quoted him on that. He's been telling me that since I've been about one. <laughs> All these years later, finally. I won't, let him, I won't let him know I've been listening to him. No, no. <laughs> Thanks, Tom, mate. Much appreciated. No worries. Thanks, much. So- much Josh. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you liked it or any of our other episodes, it would be great if you can rate and review the Inspirational Australians podcast. It really helps us out. If someone you know needs a little dose of inspiration, why not let them know about this podcast? And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. You can always head to our website at awardsaustralia.com slash podcast for more information and details on each guest. Now, before we go, I'd like to thank Annette, our producer. Here's a fun fact. Annette is my mum and our other host, Jeff, is my dad. This podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia, a family-owned business that proudly uncovers the stories of people who make a difference for others. We can only do this with the support of our corporate and not-for-profit partners as they make our awards programs possible. So do you know someone making a difference? If you'd like to recommend someone to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians. Or maybe your business might like to sponsor the podcast or get involved with the awards we run. Head to our website, awardsaustralia.com for more details. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.